Tables Parlay, Episode 9, coming up. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, it's been a while, but we're back in this thing. Tables Parlay, where we parlay conversation into inspiration. This is Episode 9, and I am L.A. Weems, and I'm excited about this episode um, because today we're going to be talking about hustling. Now, we're not talking about hustling like street hustling, but we're talking about what is your side hustle? Many of us are in jobs where we're just going to the job just to get the little paycheck. But it is said in today's economy, today's society, you need several streams of income. So today we're going to talk about investing in yourself so that you can have the life you want in the future. Now, it is said that, you know, uh, baby boomers, you know, they'll get a job and they'll stay at that job committed 30, 40 years. And that's good for them. But for us, Generation X, Y, and Millennials, you know, we, we, we have a different paradigm. We want a better quality of life and we want to live life. So today we're going to talk about getting the life you want and investing in yourself and multiple streams of income and how you get those multiple streams of income side hustle. What is your side hustle? Today I'm going to talk to one of my dear friends I've known for well over 20 years. She has a vast experience in corporate America. She has started a entrepreneur school to inspire others to get several streams of income investing in their own um, side hustle. And so, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited that hopefully this will inspire others to use the hobby that you may have. It might be basket weaving for some and maybe doing hair on the side for others and maybe doing makeup for others and maybe, you know, cooking. And did you know, whatever your hobby is, it you can flip that and actually make that into a side hustle. And so let's talk about it. Come to the table. We're going to talk about getting our hustle on, investing in ourselves and shifting into the life we want. Come to the table. Let's go. Get in the bag, stepping into entrepreneurship and leaving your job, job satisfaction. Today we have my sis of 20 years, the incomparable Trisha Teague. She is the CEO of The Trep School, which is an entrepreneurship school. She has traveled all over the world teaching entrepreneurship. So she's going to lend at least 20 years of of experience about, you know, in corporate America and transitioning into things that she loves to do, which is entrepreneurship and helping people um, step out into entrepreneurship. Welcome, Trisha. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I am awesome. So I'm just glad to be here and glad to share with you with your listeners. Awesome. Awesome. So 
give um, our listeners a little bit um, of information of um, where you're from um, and uh, your some, not all, but some of your experience of working in corporate America that lended to you making the decision to leave, leave a very good job in corporate America, making great money and stepping out by faith mm-hmm. and creating your own reality, your own life. Uh, well, I am originally from central Illinois. After college, I lived in the Chicago suburbs for um, a number of years. I think it was 13, 15, somewhere around there. And then relocated back to central Illinois. Um, and so I've been back in central Illinois for um, just under 10 years. So in terms of corporate um, experience, I've had a variety of roles um, from project manager to uh, requirements writing and also worked probably one of my favorite jobs in um, product management and also was a business analyst. So did a lot of things as it relates to data, did a lot of things as it relates to customer research, um, had some great jobs, had some not so great jobs, had some great experiences, had some not so great experiences. So I, I, my experience pretty much has run a gamut as it relates to corporate America, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, so there's great things about corporate America, uh, but for me, my main reason for leaving the first time, because I actually left corporate America twice. The first time I left corporate America was because of a reorg. So it wasn't necessarily by my choice. I always tell people that some birds get pushed out of the nest and some birds take a leap. I was one of those birds that had to be pushed the first time. Um, But once I got a taste. Let me understand. So you got pushed out of the nest because the organization or corporate business there reorganized and you weren't part of that reorganization? Correct. So my whole, my whole department, so my director, I was um, a product manager at the time. So my director and all of the management team underneath her were let go at the same time. Wow. Now we got a sweet package. I mean, if you're going to leave a job, that's the way to leave a job. Yeah. Because I got paid for six months after I left. Six months. Um, So it gave me a yeah, I got it was it was uh, six months of pay plus my um, bonus, um, which ended up being like twelve percent of my salary, plus my um, um, profit sharing, plus I was able to receive unemployment on day one. So I was getting a paycheck on top of unemployment. You was so I actually made more money that. Yes, I was just collecting checks. So that, that I made more money that first year unemployed than I had made the prior year being employed. Um, but once I got a taste of freedom, I really enjoyed it um, and really started, you know, in a full-time entrepreneurship journey. Uh, but after probably, I think it was four years, you know, money started running out, uh, the business that I had started, it's an, it was in a dying industry, so it really wasn't making enough money to support me financially. And I never thought that it would. I was just doing it out of, out of uh, a labor of love, more so, and a passion, more so than this is going to be my money-making opportunity. Um, looking back, I would have done things differently. And so, so 
I ended up going back to corporate and I was back in corporate for about four years and then left again. Okay. So, and that was by choice. Well, that's interesting. You, the first time you were um, pushed out of the nest and then the second time you made a decision to step out of corporate America. Um, let's talk about that second time. What was the impetus to make you take the leap out of a very cushy job, a very, um, very prosperous um, salary and benefits, um, great position, what was some of the reasons why you decided to take the leap of faith and in going into entrepreneurship? Um, the main, if I could sum it up in one word, I would say it was um, unfulfillment. I was not fulfilled in my job and the job was not aligned with my passions and my purpose. And so I felt like I needed to do work that, you know, made me feel alive. And I felt like my job was killing me slowly. Ooh, let's so, talk about that. When you say killing you slowly, what do you mean? Did it affect your health? Did it affect your mental health? What was it? Yes and yes. Um, it definitely affected my health. I gained, I was, I was stressed, I had some stressful situations, um, gained a significant amount of weight, um, had some, female issues that I had to have procedures for. Um, and I just dreaded being there every day. And I think it wasn't so much that the job was so bad because I had been in worse situations, but when you've seen the other side of the mountain and you see, and you've done work that has left you completely fulfilled. And you know that at least for me that added that added to the world that had a significant impact. You know, this stuff that I was doing, I was just like, it doesn't really matter. And I just, it felt meaningless to me. So I knew I needed to go and find something that made me want to get up every day and do the work. It made me want to work long hours where the long hours didn't even matter, that I could work through the night and just be like, I just got stuff I got to get done and I'm just happy to do it. And, um, the work that I was doing wasn't that, you know, it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't changing anybody's life. It didn't have any significant impact. It was just, it was just work to me. Right. And um, I had had some situations where, say, say it again. Right. Just pushing paperwork and it's not significantly impacting anybody's life. And it, right. Yet it's a, I mean, it was impactful to the businesses. Yeah. Right. It was impactful to the businesses, you know, and the and the people that I work with, they, you know, I always here's the thing. I'm all, I'm the person that in every situation that I'm in and every work every piece of work that I've ever done, I'm always looking for ways to make the situation better in terms of how can I make it a significant impact in this role in this job. So every place that I have gone and worked, I have left my mark. And I've left a significant mark, you know, so if it's something used to take two weeks and I figured out how to make it three days, you know, we used to spend waste money or spend money on something. And I figured out that let's look at the investment versus the, the income that we're taking in on this product and we should probably kill this or repurpose our resources and, and, and put it towards things that actually make us more money. 
or, right. you know, those types of things. I was always entrepreneurial in my thinking and in my approach to my job. So it wasn't that I wasn't making an impact. It's just that the impact didn't matter to me. Okay. You weren't fulfilled by it. Right. Right. It didn't matter to me personally. Mm-hmm. It wasn't impacting you personally other than right. ne- other than negatively as far as the stress and the deadlines and all of that. Yeah. Right. And I think the other piece was I wasn't, I'm, I'm also the type of person that with, if I know I'm, I'm contributing in a significant way, I want to see some fruit. It, exactly. I want to see some fruit. I want to see some contribution at the end of that. Right. So in previous position, uh, you know, I used to get rewarded for things. So somebody came and said, okay, we're going to put together this project. And, you know, the standard timeline for managing this project is 60 days. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to get it done at 45. And if there's some money at the end of that, then somebody's going to come to me with a check. It might be a small check. It might be a large check or some recognition or something, you know, a promotion. There's always something that I'm being rewarded with. And, and at, the, at my last job, there wasn't any rewards. It was just, okay, I'm just giving, giving, giving. And I'm not getting anything. Come on. And the best I can get is a 3% raise. <laughs> a 3% oh, I get a 3% raise. raise just showing up. Right. So why should I Yeah, so why should I come here and give my best and do my level best every single day and get and, 3%. and get 3% if there are people who also do the bare minimum and also get that three percent and then the other piece that came yeah and then the other piece that came into play was i would see problems and notice things that had it could have a system-wide issue and could have a significant impact on our customers and i was like we got this is I, like i discovered some stuff and i'm like this is a problem Mm-hmm. Nobody cared enough to fix it. They were just kind of like, oh, we didn't know it existed, but oh well. And I'm like, well, if I don't care, I mean, if they don't care, the management above me doesn't care, then why should I care? Because if I'm discovering problems that nobody ever discovered before mm-hmm. and nobody cares to fix them, then what are we really here doing? Because that's not a good service to the customers. Exactly. So sometimes so, when, you, um, when you catch things, that can um, negatively affect the company as a whole and customers as a whole or patients or whatever your industry is, you should be rewarded for that, that to catch something that could, you know, have a domino effect. And then when you catch it, nobody does anything about it. Then, you know, okay, this company is not healthy at all. They're not healthy at all. And when you, you read, you, you actually highlight a cancer in the company that could negatively affect the company in the long term, and they're willing to do nothing about that, then you know that that company is not healthy. And therefore, you don't want to be attached to a company that's not healthy. Right? Right. So, right. And sometimes it's not necessarily the company. Sometimes it's just inept leadership. You know, it could be, well, the person that's over this department or over this area is inept even though maybe the company as a whole, but then if you're a person that's work, you know, it's okay. But then if you're a person who's working in that specific area with the inept or weak leadership, then you get hamstrung by that inept and weak leadership. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's stressful as well. And yeah, that's stressful as well. How was your health or your mental health affected by being in that type of environment? Given your your best, you know, you have gone to school, Ivy League school, paid all this money for to, for the training, and now you're at the top of your game, giving your best and your skills and your ability and your knowledge, and you're working with inept supervisors or managers and and having deadlines and and how did that negatively affect your health and your mental health? Um, I would say it probably not at this job, but at at this job, it affected my mental health in terms of I didn't necessarily see the point. It was just one of those kind of like uh in the bible the book of limitations like life is meaningless and all of this is meaningless <laughs> <and it's the plan. laughs> you know uh, like, so oh, it, it's time to make the donut <laughs> right <laughs> so it was just like yeah why are you here doing this this it was like the same thing every day wash repeat wash rest repeat that was your life every day and i was just like i can't do that so it's just it was trying on me probably because i had already experienced like i said the other side um mm -hmm. but in a previous position i got really jaded about corporate america in general because of things that happened at a previous job mm -hmm. where i had to file a eeoc claim against a former manager and it put me in a position where i thought corporate America, there is no, um, there's no relationship. You know, people used to think, expect, our parents' generation, for example, the baby boomers, have the expectation that you form a relationship with your job. Um, and in our generation and generations since then, it's kind of like just this place you go to do right. work. It's not a relationship. There are no relationships. Right. And I came to the realization there that, the organization does not care the policies of the organization in many organizations. This doesn't apply to every organization, but in many organizations, they're not people oriented, they're organization oriented. No. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, you feel like you're just a chess piece. Right. And that you could be taken out at any time. And when I went through that situation where I had to file an EEOC claim, I was eventually given the right to sue, but didn't pursue the right to sue because I was really just fighting to save my professional life. Right. Um, uh, and that's the only reason I did it because my back was against the wall and I didn't, I didn't have any other recourse. Uh, the, there were people who were unwilling to help me or those who were willing to help me were only willing to go so far. Right. Um, and so it really jaded me in terms of uh, corporate America. And it, and it was a tremendous amount of undue stress on my life. And so since then, I kind of have this wall up as it relates to corporate, kind of like, you know, I know that this may not necessarily be all that great of experience and I don't have that um, high expectations. Right. And I never thought that prior to the situation that ended in an um, EEOC right to sue. Because I always was happy. You saw ultimately, you saw ultimately they weren't going to advocate for you. They didn't really see you as a person that 
after you've invested in the company, they didn't want to really advocate for you on your behalf. So oh no, I was vilified. I mm-hmm. was vilified. I was blackballed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to the point where you talk about undue mental stress. Yes. It was to the point where you feel like you just try to figure out a way for it to end. It's not like, it's very much like being in a, in a bad relationship or a bad marriage because right. you're in and you feel stuck. You're so, you're so tied to, you know, what happens in the company versus, you know, as it relates to your benefits and, um, you know, the process of starting over and trying to find something new and all this stuff. You're like, okay, well, I want to leave, but leaving is not that simple. It's not like you can just go out tomorrow and find another job right. and it's just change overnight. That's a process. And that process takes time. And right. in the meantime, you're, you're there stuck and suffering through the consequences of having made a decision to work at this place in the first place. I, I totally agree. What would you say, you know, what did you learn after going through all of that? What did you learn about yourself while working in corporate America as opposed to where you are now, now that you are an entrepreneur? I learned a lot about myself. Um, the phrase that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is very, very true in my life now. I didn't realize how strong I was or how strong I could be. I'm my own advocate. I'm my, I can be my own advocate. I can fight for myself. I can make change happen. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of finding the right people to work with you um, to, to make the things happen that need to have happen you know, being under the right leadership. Uh, And the thing is, sometimes when you take a stand, you make friends, but you also make enemies and um, you have to be willing to deal with the consequences. Like now I'm just like, whatever happens, I can look myself in the mirror. I can go to bed every night with peace, knowing that I did, that I did what was right and I handled things the right way. Um, What was right for you, that's right. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is not to say that corporate America is the boogeyman. It's not like that, that on a TV show, uh, Mr. Robot, where it's evil corp and everything about it is evil. Cause there are (laughs) many, many corporate environments where people work and they love their job and they have great people they work for and they have, um, great relationships in those organizations. It's just that I think that those are the minority and not the majority, unfortunately. Right. So where are you now? That is where you were in corporate America. Now that you have leapt into entrepreneurship and you've left, how long have you been out of corporate America and on this path of entrepreneurship? How many years? Um, It's not even been an entire year yet. Um, I severed, the ties with my last job, it's only been four and a half months completely. I went from, what I started to do at the end of 2017 was make a transition. Mm -hmm. I started a transition process. So at the end of 2017, I had made up my mind, okay, I want to leave and here's where I want my here's where I want my career to go. So I started directing my career, which I think a lot of people don't necessarily do. They just go out and apply for as many jobs as they can find. And then they're like, okay, well, whatever 
jobs take me. If I got a bunch to choose from, I'll choose the best. But I might not have a bunch to choose from depending on where you live and the economy at the time. And so they take, you know, the best job they can get. Not necessarily a conscious choice, right? So I made a conscious choice at the end of 2017 on this is what I want my career to be. So how do I get there? So then I started doing um, some trainings and things towards that. And I changed my status with my former employer from a full-time employee to a contract employee. And they had a major project that I was overseeing. So I committed to them to stay for, so at the end of 2017, we started to have conversations in May is when it actually changed. Um, And then from May to November, I was a contract employee. So I was overseeing some really, a really large project and still providing support to, uh, excuse me, to our team there. Um, But I was only working part-time in terms of hours and I was transitioning and building my business at the same time. That makes sense. So you, some people just take a leap and just leave. Um, But as you can see with Trisha, she slowly took the process of uh, moving from full-time to contractor to part-time and all the while building your business. It was almost like a hobby, right? Um, Once you um, were not working at your corporate job, you were um, investing your other time in your business until you could do transition completely into entrepreneurship, correct? Right. So yeah, I would you know, schedule meetings. Um, if I if I had trips or things that I had planned or engagements that I had planned, then I would just go and do those. I didn't have to worry about using up all my vacation because by March I had already used up all my vacation. <laughs> so, um, so it was actually there. It, it either I was gonna quit immediately or they were gonna fire me immediately because I had already used up my vacation, or they were gonna make me a contractor. Okay. So I felt like me me being a contractor was a win-win for both sides because mm-hmm. it takes them months to find a person and it was going to take a significant amount of time for them to replace me just based on the contribution that I made in terms of, again, like I said, I'm the type of person that comes in and goes, how can I make an impact? So I was a person who understood the systems better than anybody else. I was a person that the programmers called when something was broken and I would tell them, well, this is how it should be fixed. Right. And so there was nobody else to fill that void. So it wasn't just a body. I made it. So I think what happens in corporate environments is people look at um, employees as a chess piece and everybody's a pawn. Right. So using that analogy, I move, I move myself up to be, okay, I might start out as a pawn on the first day, but I guarantee you within a few weeks, I'm not going to be a pawn anymore. <laughs> exactly. So I might have started out as a pawn and I might have become a rook and I might have become a knight, but eventually I'm going to be the queen. <laughs> All right, queen. Well, now tell us <laughs> where you are in the process now as far as in the entrepreneurship space where I am, that's kind of an open question. It could be interpreted in a bunch of different ways. Where I am in terms of... So you made the transition in 2017, and in May you made that transition, and you stepped into entrepreneurship, and you started Mm -hmm. a business, or several businesses, and one of those businesses is called the TREP School. 
So yes. tell us a little bit about the TREP school. The TREP school is um, a coaching and consulting and entrepreneurial training uh, business. So what I do, I am a trained coach um, by the Coaches uh, Training Initiative, which is the oldest uh, coaches training organization in the world. Um, and it's a world organization. It's a really rigorous uh, training and certification process that you go through. Um, to become certified. So I'm in the process of becoming certified. Now I went through all of the trainings um, last year. So I'm doing that. Uh, I'm also um, a facilitator for entrepreneurial mindset training. So I teach classes on entrepreneurial mindset, which can be taught to people who are starting businesses. It can be taught to people, maybe students, for example, to just be learn how entrepreneurs think so that you can be more entrepreneurial over your life um, and also to employees to help people become more entrepreneurial in their jobs because i was always an entrepreneurial employee and when i went to the facilitator training i felt like somebody peeled back my head and took my brain and presented it to me and said this is how your brain works and i was like oh my gosh this is exactly how my brain works i never knew that i was being entrepreneurial i just knew that i like to make a difference um and i realized that i was inherently entrepreneurial and i know that entrepreneurship can be an asset to any job and to any employer and it's what i built my career on so I want to help take that into corporate environments because I think it helps leaders become better leaders. You see a lot of managers, for example, who are, they might've been great at the position that they held and they might have some leadership skills, but it doesn't make them entrepreneurial. So they don't really know a lot about growing a business. Right. They just know a, a lot about doing the job that they used to do. And now they're leading a team that does what they used to do. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. What are some of your biggest influences that inspired you to take the leap into entrepreneurship? Who influenced you? Um, hmm. Well, let's see. I look at who, who, who are some of the people family. you look up to? Yeah, I look at my family history, for example. My grandfather on my mom's side his name was ike he was always entrepreneur he was always um um his own man so to to me entrepreneurship is not just owning a business it's it's really a a, a way of life and a way of thinking um and that's how ike was uh he had a barber shop and pool hall uh he, uh he grew up well, he was born in 1905, so he was like old when he had my mother. Uh, but he raised his whole family in a in a little country town of like a few hundred people with his barbershop and pool hall, and it was everything. And he paid cash for everything. He built his own. He paid for his property. He built his own house. He paid cash for cars. He took care of everything off of that, and was always this person who had multiple things that he was doing. That was his main thing was barbershop and pool hall, but there was always other things that he was doing. And my mother sells uh, Mary Kay and has been in Mary Kay since I was eight. So over 30 years, almost 40 years. Um, and she, she was always a good influence on me too. I think in terms of things that I've done, I went to, I made a decision in, uh, in um, 2017, like, 
And I can't necessarily say it was influenced by a specific person or situation, but when I went to, uh, uh, I made a decision to start changing my life. A few months after that, I went to Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within, did the firewalk. Wow. And, you know, at the event, Tony says, okay, you have two decisions to, two significant decisions to make. What are they? And one that I wrote down was, I'm leaving my job this year. So I made that happen, uh, you know, as a result of the decision I made then. And everything after then has just been, you know, kind of the dominoes that fell after making those decisions. That fire walk really um, gave you the fire under your feet, literally, to uh, get the life you want, huh? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because I'm just like, I'm not scared. I don't care, you know. Uh, I actually, after that, had a had somewhat of a standoff at my job that led to me becoming a contract employee. Because I was just kind of like, well, if you feel you need to fire me, then that's fine. I'm I'm ready to to deal with those consequences. Right. Because I feel like the worst that can happen to me, I've already been through bad things, mm -hmm. and you know, I already went through an EEOC filing. I've already, you know. Um, had some financial downs and then come back and bounce back from those. And I'm like, you know what? If I can, if I went through before it came out of it, I can go through it again and come out of it. Come on. So the, worst yeah. can, so the worst that can happen to me has already happened. I've already experienced those things. I don't care if I lose my house. Mm -hmm. My mother lives across the street. I go sleep on her couch if I have to. <laughs> but I'm my own, my own self. That's you know? That is awesome. Yeah, and I'm not going to be the anybody about being the queen on the board and owning your own life right exactly exactly yeah i'm like nobody's ever you know after that situation when i had to file the eeoc claim i had made a decision then that i was never going to be in a situation that i was only going to have one source of income and that somebody and that one individual could come and threaten everything that i was always going to have other ways of making money and other streams of income and so that kind of changed my mindset altogether. I'm always looking at what might be an opportunity, what makes sense for me as it relates to income, um, you know, and things that I can do and pursue. And I always feel like, you know, I'll be okay. Even when I, even when we went through the reorg, you know, um, at, a pre, at that previous employer, I remember having conversations with people because I was happy. I was like, yeah, I was walking around the building smiling like, yes, uh, yep, we just got reorged out of a job. And mm. everybody was like, yeah, well, I don't know about everybody else, but Trisha's going to be good. Because mm. they all knew that I was an entrepreneurial person anyway. Right. So, and I mean, in my mind, that's who I was going to be. Whatever happens, I got it. I right. might not know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I got it. I'm going to figure it out. You made a very great point. You know, baby boomers, they pretty much... Their job is their everything, but I think in our generation X, Y, and millennials, um, we pretty much, we like multiple streams of income, and we like a better quality of life, um, which influences our decisions about what type of jobs we attach ourselves to, because we're not trying to just have one stream of income and one manager uh, decides to fire you, and then your whole world comes crashing down. You made a very, very good Good, good point. You got to have multiple hustles, right? Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and you, because you have to be diversified. Yes. You know, th things could change in a heartbeat. 
in any situation. When you look at the pace that the world is moving in, we're evolving and changing faster than ever before. Technology yeah. is changing more rapidly. If you start to look at, I can't remember where I saw it, but there's like a timeline of technological change. And it was like, okay, from the radio to the TV was this many number of years. From the TV to this was this many number of years. And it keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And what ha what's happening is we're, we're evolving at a rapid pace, but industry is also evolving quickly as a result of that. And which is one of the reasons why you see what used to be these bastions of industry fall by the wayside or just no longer exist. In some cases, they're just dead. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these, these captains of of all of various industries you know once upon a time sony used to be the biggest player in in technology they're right. not anymore no nope. i mean part of time sears used to be the biggest player in retail right sears is barely um and be, and that's because they did not see the writing on the wall they did not change as the world changed. And the thing is, our lives are the same way. If we don't change as the world changes, then we get left behind in the same That's way those industries do. Amazon is taking out everybody, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Amazon, I would say Amazon and Walmart. Yeah, Amazon and Walmart and Target even because of these companies, uh, Sears and uh, Montgomery Ward, and we can go on and JC Penney have not moved, you know, and transitioned and, and everything that is living and growing has to change and you have to change. And I encourage people who are at these jobs, don't become a museum. <laughs> you right. have to change and evolve. Right. Uh, otherwise you will be left behind. Chris, you've given a lot of amazing um, wisdom, uh, insights, where can listeners sign up for the Entrepreneur School, school or the TREP School? They can go to my website, which is thetrepschool.com. That's T-H-E-T -E as in Tricia, R-E-P as in Paul, school.com. Um, there's an assessment on my website where you can get for free that kind of um, looks at how entrepreneurial you may be. Uh, and then there's uh, courses and we webinars and just a variety of things uh, that we do. And so you can follow me that way and, and plug into what I got going on. I'm not going to state anything in particular because I always evolve and change. And no. so, you know, what my, what's up there right now in terms of webinars, you know, and in terms of content, you know, this podcast is going to live something beyond some of those things so that's awesome. going to always be new to me. yeah and i'm always i'm a i'm a champion for business i'm a champion for small businesses especially i live in a in a small area and you know i'm, I'm trying to do things i shouldn't say trying i am doing things and working with some people to bring a culture of entrepreneurship and innovation you know to where i live because uh small Small towns live and die based on the businesses that small are business. there. And a big, yeah, small businesses especially. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't, 
you can't apply industrial era thinking to information age uh, economy. Right. So you can't go after just the big, the big uh, industries, you know, the big warehouses or the big factories or anything and expect for them to drive your local economy. So I'm doing things now um, and championing efforts now to do some things that foster small business growth because small businesses grow economies. I was listening to the Kauffman Institute's um, State of Entrepreneurship, and they use Kansas City as an example because that's where they're based. They were saying that over a five-year period, let me back up, they had gone after one of the Amazon um, expansion sites, mm -hmm. um, you know, Amazon second headquarters, and the number of jobs that it was promised. But they actually... There was a, a, another agency or organization that did an analysis that said that small businesses in the same area over the course of five years actually added more jobs to that area than would have come if they had actually lured Amazon there. So that just, that just showed um, how many businesses can, how small businesses, how a number of small businesses, that microeconomy can impact the larger economy. Amen. Small business drives the economy. It has to, you know. Absolutely. And so invest in small businesses. And the way to do that is start a business. Leap into entrepreneurship. And support, and, and support small businesses. And even support. if everybody doesn't have the gumption to start a business. Mm -hmm. And it's not for everyone. It's hard. Uh -huh. it's, not the, it, it's not easy. There's ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. You have uh -huh. to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, support the small businesses support in your community. The small business, yes. So in closing, what if you can give, give three um, things that you can encourage someone that may be thinking about leaving their job and um, leaping into entrepreneurship, what is the three top things that you would encourage them to do? One, prepare for the leave. Um, do things to get your business going, to have traction for when you're actually already gone. If you actually have, you can build your business up to replace your income before you leave, then you'll, you'll have less stress on your life because then it'd just be about growing your business and not about the stress of sustaining your life. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. uh, number two would be, Always invest in education. You can never know too much about business or about your industry or about running your business. So stay educated. I listen to books and I read constantly. Um, I'm, I'm knowledgeable about a lot of things and I see things that are coming down the pipe because of my constant education. And the third would be create networks. Create net and, and, and harness your networks. So harness networks as it relates to, you know, connecting with other businesses, um, connecting with your customers. Customer research is king. Customer feedback above everything else mm -hmm. um, so that you don't waste time making bad decisions. So those are my, those are my three things. Awesome wisdom. Um, for those of you who are at these jobs and you're thinking about taking a leap, you know, look up Trisha at the www.thetrepschool.com. 
Um, she has tremendous amount of resources and information and uh, webinars. And as she said, hustle, baby, hustle. Get out yes. there and invest in small business, support small business, or start a business and to get the life that you want. Again, thank you for coming to the table, Tricia, at thank Tables you. Parlay. You know I love you, sis. 20 years strong. Yes. All righty. And for, with that, and we still what? And we still look young as we did 20 years ago. Girl, God is a keeper. <laughs> and black don't yes. Come on. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. And with that, thank you for coming to Tables Parlay, where we parlay conversation into inspiration. Hustle, baby, hustle. Trisha Teague, The Trep School. If you're interested in creating and learning how to create a small business or becoming an entrepreneur, go to www.thetrepschool.com and connect with Trisha Teague, who will mentor you and coach you into entrepreneurship to create that small business that side hustle that you know you want to transition to. Listen, I've learned one thing and I am learning that to believe that your job is going to make you wealthy is a fallacy. Your job is not going to make you wealthy and it definitely is not going to make you happy. What I've learned is God gives us talents, skills, and abilities And you know, as well as I know, those talents, skills, and abilities are not being utilized at that local job that you're at. And that's why you feel unfulfilled. And life will never be fulfilling until until you use those gifts and those talents that God calls you to use in the correct capacity. And for some of you, it is entrepreneurship. I hope that this episode inspires you to look around your surroundings. What do you have in your home? What do you have that you could use to create a small business? What gives you passion? What gives you joy? For some, it's doing hair. For some, it's uh, sewing clothes. For others, it's art. For others, it's creating music. For some, like myself, I like to talk, y'all. As you can see, I like to talk. I also like to write. Whatever it is, I'm sure it's pointed in the area that gives you the most joy and the most fulfillment. And that, my friends, is the golden ticket. That is the sweet spot. What gives you passion? What gets you excited? What would you do for free? That is the sweet spot. That is what you could flip and create a small business from and create the life that you want. I hope that after listening to this episode, you are inspired to look more closely at what is really passionate for you and begin to educate yourself and begin to network with other people who are in that same industry or that same genre and begin to prepare to transition 
from a dead place to a live thriving place called your future. So I hope that this points you into your future. For some, it's entrepreneurships. For other, it is a side hustle. Whatever it is, my friend, hustle, baby, hustle, and get out there and create the life you want. Well, this is Tables Parlay. I hope you were inspired. Come back to the table. I'm sure we got more to talk about. Tables Parlay, where we parlay conversation into inspiration. Hustle, baby.